0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ
1: according to Matthew. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to see your faces today. Some of Some of you we have not seen in months, so it's really good to to welcome you back. Uh, My name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. If you're visiting, thank you again for joining us in worship today. Before we dive into God's Word, would you bow your heads one more time with me as I share a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Cody shared, we are finishing our series called the Foundation Series, where we are sharing our core commitments as a family of faith. And today we're sharing about this commitment to go. Go. And I'd like to begin by sharing from Peter King's Football Morning in America. Any of you guys read this on Monday mornings? Meredith? Maddie? No, sometimes, maybe not. In an article titled, Tom the Teacher, published on January 18th, 2021, after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers soundly defeated their nemesis, the New Orleans Saints, my favorite writer Peter King wrote these words about the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Quote, last spring, when Bruce Arians, the coach of the Buccaneers, knew he had Tom Brady in the fold as the new quarterback of the Buccaneers, he was thrilled for the franchise. We got Tom Brady, baby! Thrilled for himself. Man, I get to coach Brady! And just as thrilled for the players on his team. One night in March, Arians told me, we are so young, we're good. I think we're really good, but we need Tom to teach these guys how to win, to teach these guys how to be pros. I can't wait to see the impact he has on our players. So you want to know Brady's influence on this team that's one win away from being the first team in 55 Super Bowls to play on its home field, Peter King would go on to write, I asked Devin White, the Buccaneers' middle linebacker, still all hopped up 45 minutes after the Saints game. Over the phone from Louisiana, White sounded like he was still playing this 30-20 to 20 Tampa victory over New Orleans. Quote, The thing I love about Tom is he's always teaching, White said. Teaching me how to be a great leader. Every single day, every single practice, he puts the team before himself. First few days he's in the locker room, we're all like, we're in the locker room with the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, I wanna go talk to him. I wanna get a picture with him. But then he's your teammate and you realize you're there for a reason. A few weeks ago, I was kind of upset I didn't make the pro bowl. He's like, D, there's a bigger bowl I'm chasing. We're all chasing it. Come on. I just thought, man, it's a blessing to hear that. I need to hear that. That's the thing about us. It's about us. He's still chasing those bowls in his 40s. And I'm just so grateful to be able to spend this time with him. And Wes and others, we all now know that the Buccaneers are only one win away, Mike, from being Super Bowl champions. What strikes me most about this story is that Brady is seen as the consummate pro's pro. Oh, I lost my place. Pro's pro, and he's solely focused on chasing one goal, the goal of being world champs as a team. A goal much bigger than himself. Tom's a man on a mission. As we turn our attention now back to our Foundation series, where we've been sharing our core commitments as a church for Charleston and beyond, today we're focusing on the Great Commission, Sally. The commitment for all of us to go as a community of faith. And as we'll see in today's passage, like Brady and the Bucks. We, too, are called to mission, a mission, Andrew, much bigger than ourselves. While it's easy for us to get caught up in what each of us receive from Jesus, we are all called to go out into the world and give ourselves for Jesus together. And this leads me to our big idea, the big takeaway I'd like us to see from our passage today. All who accept the call of Jesus to come to him for mercy are commissioned by Jesus to go with him on mission. All who accept the call of Jesus to come to him for mission are commissioned to go with him on mission. And we're going to unpack this through two points today. Point one, we all need mercy. And point two, we all are called to mission. And I just, I just love that I look to this side of the room and I see a ninth grader taking notes. Praise God. Point one, we all need mercy. In Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17, we read these words. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped but some doubted. So let me set the scene here, Jim. Jesus, the leader of these 11 disciples, a group he had led for three years in public ministry, had just been crucified. Now, if you've suffered the pain of losing a loved one, especially a dear mentor, then you know the pain these guys must have been feeling that day. I'm sure they were spent in gutted to the core of their being. And yet then came the report. The report that Jesus was alive. A report from two female followers of Jesus is recorded in the earlier verses of Matthew 28 that he'd risen from the grave. A report that said Jesus wanted these 11 disciples to meet him in Galilee. A report which I'm sure only further twisted their minds in their hearts as they tried to figure it all out. And so as we see in our passage, the 11 make the 100 mile or so trek from Jerusalem to Galilee. And I'm sure along the way, they were asking serious questions. Could, Could this be true? Could this be real? And why in the world did he ask us to meet him in Galilee? You ever wonder that? And we read that once they got to Galilee, Galilee, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted, or as translated literally, some hesitated, wavered, or the word means they had a double stance, one foot in and one foot out. The only other time for the nerds in the room that like this kind of thing, the only other time this word doubted is used in the book of Matthew as Matthew 14, when Peter had been invited to get out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus. You guys remember that story? In that instance, all had been fine until Peter had taken his eyes off of Jesus and had begun to sink. You see, he had begun to doubt. I'm sure trying to make sense of it all in that moment his heart pitching between fear and faith. So let me stop and ask, have you ever found yourself in a similar spot, swaying between fear and faith, and faith and doubt? Asking yourself, is this all real? Is Christianity even real? Is the resurrection even real? Is Jesus real. It's no accident that the writer of the Gospel of Matthew included these details before the Great Commission, and yet all too often we miss it. You see, we all need mercy, including those who are older and who've done life or leadership with Jesus for years, which is exactly why Jesus had the 11 disciples go back to Galilee. You see, it's in Galilee where it all began, where Jesus and the disciples first launched their ministry in Matthew chapter 4 and chapter 5. In Matthew 4, when Jesus had shared from Isaiah 9 that he'd come to reach not only Israel, but, quote, the Galilee of the Gentiles, meaning the whole world. Moreover, it's in Galilee, in Matthew chapter 5, on the mountain in which they now stood, in Matthew 28, where Jesus shared what? The Beatitudes, a radical countercultural ethic of humility that would be necessary to reach the nations, to live and lead, in love like Jesus. You see, sometimes it's necessary for Jesus to bring us back to the basics, back to the beginning, where we see the bigger picture and we see our need, our guttural need, and the world's need for mercy in him. And now for what I don't believe, is a coincidence. I'd like to share a testimony that came my way this past week from a gentleman in our church that points to this truth, our need, all of our need for mercy. Let's play this clip. Well, Garth, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'd like to begin by asking you to share the short story that you shared with me this last week. You sent me this text message Paul, God saved me from two and a half weeks of COVID, coupled with multiple pneumonia spots on each lung. I could not be more grateful for our Lord and Savior.
0: Darth, tell us what happened. Absolutely, Paul. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, gosh, a few weeks back, I'm diagnosed with COVID, and um, as healthy a person as I am, I was absolutely floored for two plus weeks fighting every symptom that you read about, that you uh, you know heard others maybe talk about, and got to such a point where I had to go back in to see the doctor and say, this, this isn't working. I'm not, I'm not getting better. And it was at that point that they actually ran more tests and found the multiple spots on each lung of pneumonia. And so, uh, wow, I go home now and I'm facing two things that can kill you. Um, pneumonia and this ongoing COVID. And it was so sobering. Um, I, as optimistic a person as I am. And and I think most people know me to be that way. um, I honestly contemplated my own mortality. Um, I would see my my daughters come and go very sporadically in the house as I quarantined. But, you know, I would see Alexa, I would see Ariana and I would honestly ask myself if this was maybe the last time I would see them. And I thought about, um, you know, had I done my best as a father, had I, uh, you know, what am I leaving them with? It was, it was very, very sobering. Uh, at the same time though, Paul, throughout the whole COVID as it continued to get worse, I, through my, uh, my former um, mother-in-law, who was a very strong Christian woman and set really strong examples of, how to literally throw yourself on the floor and pray and command God to help you to take this uh, virus out of my body. And I've never prayed harder in my life. Mm. I've never uh, given him more uh, of the glory and just, I know and I knew that he was capable of taking this out of my body and, uh, and he did. He did. And um, I, 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 you know, I couldn't be happier and it's given me a whole new lease on life, Paul. I honestly, uh, the combination of of being healthy, again, hearing your sermon last week on the very truth that, that the Lord gives us every breath, that the Lord gives us every sunset and every sunrise and gives us all the joy and all the happiness and all the things that we experience every day as our creator um, it's, you know, I've sworn myself, I've immediately went out and I'm, I'm tithing for the first time in my life. Um, I'm, um, signing up for some of the other events at the, at the church, um, some that I've done before and fallen away from others I'm going to be doing for the first time, but I am absolutely committed to being the best Christian. I can be the best, uh, servant to others and, uh, just trying to be the, 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 the feet and hands of the Lord.
1: Yeah, what strikes me is uh, anyone that knows you knows you're, you're filled with just happiness and joy. But imagining you on your floor screaming out to God, you said to me that you had fevers and shakes and dizziness. Night sweats. Night sweats. And you were just crying out to God, claiming his promises over you and, and begging for mercy. Yes. And he extended his mercy, and then you said, "Paul, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in." And you just said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to start tithing fully. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna serve and sign up for these every every different mission opportunity. Um, I'm all in, Paul. Uh, it just it's such a moving story, especially coming from someone who's as fit as you, uh, guys. I would argue that Garth is the fittest man in our church." I've tried to work out with him and it was not pretty, <laughs> but yeah. you know, out of that darkness has come this lightness and this joy that's, that's deep and rich out of God's mercy. There's a passage that we talked about that you want to share right now that really spoke to your condition.
0: Let me, Absolutely, you to, Paul.
1: yeah, share that today.
0: Yeah. Psalm 91, right? You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flees, I'm sorry, that flies by day, nor the persistence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, No harm will overtake you and no disaster will come near you for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me. Mm. Says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation.
1: What a merciful God we serve. Amen. Yes. Well, thank
0: you for sharing your story with all of us today, Garth. God bless you. God bless you, Paul. Thank you for the opportunity. You bet. Garth. Garth is
1: actually here in the room with us. For those who are joining us at home, maybe you can, you can join us as we just give him a round of applause for his courage. As I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that we, we heard the story of God's mercy that came my way this week. Why? Because we all need mercy. We all need mercy. No matter how young we are, catch this, or how seasoned in the faith we are, mercy is the humble foundation in the holy fire by which Jesus wants us to live out our faith. This leads me to point two we are all called to mission. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Xander, a couple seismic, points are being made here. First, Jesus claims to be Lord of all, an audacious and controversial claim. For instance, by saying all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, Jesus is without a doubt claiming to be the prophetic fulfillment of the Son of Man prophecy From Daniel chapter 7. We're not going to have time today to unpack that, but you can check it out. Daniel 7. And this would have really tweaked his Jewish audience. Moreover, Jesus is saying, above all other faith traditions and gods, he is the true Lord over the cosmos. And that's quite a claim, isn't it? Next, by saying we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, catch this, in the name, singular, not names, plural, but name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is making his deity in equality with the Father and Spirit clear, thus the Trinity. Again, this claim would have been scandalous to Jewish ears. And lastly, when saying he will be with his followers always, quote, to the end of the age, Jesus is boldly stating that he's omnipresent in his ability and authority, a category which belongs to God alone. Thus, what Jesus wants us and everyone to know is he truly was, is, and always be, will be Emmanuel, God with us. Not just Christmas during the Advent season, but all days of our lives, God with us. He's not only the king of the Jews, he's the king of the world. And we can trust, live, breathe, and lead knowing he's in control. And We don't have to be. When we really get this, I mean, really get this? Do you know how much peace and joy comes from him? We can be kind, not always having to get our way. We can be patient, trusting him to lead our way. And do you know what other seismic point Jesus is making here, Trinity? Together, you and I And all the followers of him are called to play a leading role in a gospel movement. A gospel movement that started centuries ago and continues today to the four corners of the world. You see, we're all called to mission. Go, Leslie. Go, Mike. Go, Carly. Go Jason, go Bill, go Catherine, go Jim, go Kathy, go Caitlin, go Blaze, go one fellowship and make disciples of all nations or all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, Emmanuel, to the end of the age. And note this. All of us, not just pastors, not just missionaries like Missionary Mel down in Kenya, not just ministry leaders, all of us are called to go. All of us are called to make disciples, baptizing and teaching people of all races and all places with the good news of Jesus. You see, everything Jesus has shared with us through his word, and his promises is meant to be shared through us. To play off Brady's words, there's a bigger goal I'm chasing. There's a bigger goal we're all chasing. Come on. People everywhere are searching and thirsting for hope. Forgiveness from sins and addictions that have Held them captive for far too long. Freedom from oppressive rule, tyrannical systems. There's a longing for a sense of belonging, a sense of family that transcends whatever people are dealing with in this day. Go and make disciples, Jesus tells us, and I will be right by your side. What a charge and what a promise, right? In the words of the late. Leslie Newbegin, there's no participation in Christ without participation in his mission to the world. Mission belongs to the very being of the church. A church that's not the church in mission is no church at all. And such is why we go as a church. Such is why we have this as a core commitment of our church. You see, all who accept the call of Jesus to come to him for mercy are commissioned by Jesus to go with him on mission. Now to wrap this up. How do we live this out? Here are some suggestions of how we all, no matter our age, can live on mission with Jesus. First, love your neighbor. Sounds simple. Love your neighbor. Connect with them. Banks, you just moved to a new neighborhood, right? What's it look like for you girls to love your neighbor? To connect with them. Listen to them. Share your table with them. And love them. When Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, he answered, The most important one is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like for us? Second, serve your city. History begins in a garden and ends in a city. In Jeremiah 29, verse 7, we read, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So join us in looking for ways to help Charleston. In whatever city in which you're living, look for ways for it to flourish. Now here's the good news. Even through COVID, even through this pandemic, we've been able to do this together, right? Through Feed the Need, Serving in Hope Repair. We have a new opportunity of serving the homeless in our city through the warming shelter in mid-February. We actually have an active need right now for leaders to step up and launch a group in the Canehoy Peninsula for Feed the Multitudes, for people in need every Wednesday, excuse me, every under-Wednesday, So I invite you to look to serve the city. And for us, most of us, it's Greater Charleston. Three, revise your time away. What if we began planning some of our time off around short-term mission trips instead of vacations to the sea or to the mountains? One of the areas of our church that we're looking to Heighten or focus on is this very thing over the next year or two where we want to go on short-term mission trips with you. And to this end, I'm so excited that our students are leading the charge this coming summer as they're going to be going to Little Haiti in Miami to serve those in need down there. And if you're a student, you want more information, see Pastor Cody after the service. And last but not least, champion the church. Not just our church, but all churches who preach the gospel. The call of Matthew 28, and this is really important for our church, it's to go and make disciples in the context of community, not just as individuals. Baptizing people into the family of faith and teaching them to observe the faith by doing life on life with them. So making disciples is a corporate call, a community call. So let's invite people to church Let's love them as a church. Let's grow them as a church and let's send them as a church. To this end, our church will continue to raise up new leaders, especially for church planning and missions such as the Kenneth Pagets, Jonathan South, and Ashley Lewis's of the world. And I'm going to invite you to pray for them and champion them as they grow with us and we send them. So one fellowship, I know I've I've preached for a while. I'm excited, and I hope you're excited as we get to delight in God's mercy together and go on mission with Christ together under his love and lordship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, this invitation first to your mercy that we don't have to have it all figured out that we can be okay with not being okay. So as we now enter our time of response, may that be the posture of our hearts. May you love us afresh. And God, would you then equip us and send us under your lordship, through your love, to our neighbors, our city, to the very ends of the earth. We know you always go with us. We never walk alone. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.